0: Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. I'm your host, Chad Madden. This week, I wanted to share with you a recording from a recent webinar that I hosted. To get access to the slides and videos of this recording, you can visit getbreakthrough.com forward slash resources. Remember, this was a training hosted with a live audience, so there are real-time questions and answers that I think you will find valuable. Without further ado, let's get started. I hope you enjoy this episode. So uh, quickly, a quick introduction. Uh, This uh, online training is brought to you by Breakthrough, um, the co-founder. I'm also um, a private practice owner for, uh, this is my 19th year that I talked about earlier. We're in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We have uh, six clinic locations. We're planning two more next year. And over the last nine years here at Breakthrough, we've worked with, um, I believe the actual number is 1,500 plus practice owners all over the United States, all 50 states, um, and I think 11 countries internationally. Uh, I know Canada is in there, Mexico, some countries in Europe, Australia, New Zealand, et cetera, um, are in the Inc. 500, et cetera. And really what we do is we help practice owners in healthcare grow their practice by looking at their systems and specifically their marketing systems and how they go to market uh, with their services. We'll talk more about that later. So if you're not a planner, um, now would be a good time to start. So three pillars of private practice um, to focus on in the annual plan. The first one is finance. You know, what are my projected revenues and costs, right? So that's this, the CPA accounting terminology. Um, some, if not many, private practice owners will say income and expenses. We'll talk about that here in a second. I alluded to the hiring, you know, do I need to make Uh, any personnel changes. So that might be adding, subtracting, moving, promotions. Do I need more managers in place? Uh, You know, what do we need in terms of a personnel plan to continue to grow at the rate that we want to grow? So if we want to grow 20%, which is, you know, our example. So 72,000 visits. Quick math is that would be adding 14,400 visits per year. So now we're going from 72,000 visits per year to 86,000 visits per year what personnel um, do we need to have in in place in order to provide that level of service? Marketing, what strategies do we need? What systems do we need to employ to increase top line revenue to either get new patients into our system or reactivate uh, past patients or uh, make sure we're selling a higher value uh, treatment plan as we go forward. Hey podcast listeners, when we make assumptions about others, it's just not fair. In spite of that, I'm going to make an assumption about you. You have a growth mindset. You want to help more people, leave a bigger impact, build a better practice. Am I close? If I'm right, then I have a unique offer that I think you'll be interested in. But first, if you're a regular listener, you probably know that this is brought to you by Breakthrough, the leading platform for private practice growth. Breakthrough's mission is to help people in pain get back to normal, live healthier, and do it naturally. The best way to do this is by empowering private practice owners like you to grow your business through direct-to-consumer marketing. If you're a practice owner with a growth mindset, you'd benefit from a risk-free consultation with a breakthrough growth expert. Go to getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer to take advantage of this unique opportunity. On that call, you'll learn the key principles of how practice owners are helping more people, creating a bigger impact, and building better businesses with Breakthrough Systems. As an added bonus, the team at Breakthrough is giving a $50 Amazon gift card to any of the podcast listeners who attend this growth consultation. Sign up for your growth consultation and $50 gift card at getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer. Again, that's getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer. But pillar one. So let's talk about finances first, and we're going to introduce a tool called the pro forma, and it's really how to think about where you're at financially today and where you're going to be at in the future. So, what's the financial health of your practice? And you, sh- you know, typically most of us um, every month or every quarter, perhaps every year, we're getting a report from our CPA, our accountant, um, and we go through that report. And yes, it's looking in the past as to what happened, but for most of us, um, you know, the average margin in a healthcare service business is a- around 14%, which is uh, pretty anemic. And a few years ago, I worked with uh, Greg Crabtree, who's a CPA. He wrote, a, I believe it's a New York Times bestseller um, called uh, Simple Numbers, Big Profits. And uh, much of this data comes from working with him, but uh, he, had this pretty advanced way of looking at uh, healthcare and, and service based healthcare uh, financial metrics. And they said, you know, the average range or the range for healthcare services is margins between 10 and 25%. Now, why is that significant? Because anything 10% or less, you're, you're at risk. Any little speed bump, any little hiccup any little obstacle on the road um, literally can result in a a closure of services. And I think for most of us, one of the goals, because we are in healthcare and we do like to help people. So one of the primary goals is just to keep our doors open, right, and uh, we have to maintain uh, some margin in order to do that. So the way to think about margin or profitability or earnings, and they're somewhat interchangeable, is income minus expenses, or again, if you wanna think about it in terms of the CPA or accounting terminology, it's revenue minus our costs. And we want to um, not only look in the past and see how viable we are, um, how likely we are to be able to keep our doors open, but we also wanna be able to forecast that into um, the upcoming year. So this is, uh, we call this a pro forma and really what it means is financial projection. And so we can look at 2021, and this is a hypothetical practice um, that sees 1,000 treatment plans in a year. And let's say each treatment plan is worth $1,000. Now you can adjust your numbers accordingly. Maybe you're selling $5,000 treatment plans and you're selling four of those a week or 200 a year. Uh, same idea. Um, but you can adjust this down or upwards based on where you're at. So you would think through treatment plans, Um, look at your gross revenue. That's the top, right? So your revenue or income is up top. And underneath that here for 2021, we have 52% or $520,000 going to employment expenses. In our case, um, and the owners that we work with, we normally um, expect that they're adding in fair market value of the owner's salary in there as well. Uh, Billing expenses, in this case, we went with 5.5%. Uh, if you're doing external billing you might have internal billing uh, but you can adjust accordingly marketing expense we always allocate 10 percent in a growing practice uh, towards marketing and then we get more efficient as we go along space uh, here was forty-eight thousand dollars. obviously you can adjust for the area of the country or area of the world that you're living in Um, office expense would be you know covering shredding and uh, any equipment that you need, such as uh, computers, tablets, et cetera, phone lines, communication systems, et cetera. Clinic expense would be equipment, and a total cost in this hypothetical example would be seven hundred eighty-three thousand dollars. That would lead a profit margin or earnings of two hundred seventeen thousand dollars. So, if we were to forecast forward, um, you know, how many treatment hour or how many treatment plans do you expect? And here. Uh, I should have asked this question beforehand, but percentage wise, what do you think the average healthcare, um, so what's the status quo for private practice growth year to year? Um, You can type your answer in the the chat. So what do you think the average uh, healthcare service-based business grows year over year? Robert says twenty percent. Brian says ten. John says five. Amy is ten to twenty percent. Um, so it's six point two percent. Is um, at least pre-pandemic that that was the answer. I'm not sure what it is now. So six point two percent year-over-year growth. Um, and I'm with you. The we aim for 20%, um, you know, going back to that Jim Collins 20 mile March, but uh, so in this case, we, we provided that 6% growth. Um, so treatment plan and forecasting forward, you would adjust this according to whatever uh, your projections are for the next year. But um, we have found that 20% year over year growth gives us, uh, is not only challenging, and forces us to grow in our competencies as uh, business people and as healthcare providers. Um, Management helps us to build out our, pressures us to build out our systems, et cetera. But we're not growing so fast that we break infrastructure. Case in point, uh, back in, I believe it was 2006 to 2009, we grew uh, 600% in 30 months. And it just, it, it was, I was, not competent enough to maintain that growth, and we actually led to a, a crash because we just we broke too many systems in marketing and personnel and finance, um, and billing just across the board. Uh, so wouldn't necessarily recommend that type of growth, but twenty um, percent is a nice uh, is a nice steady growth path for us. That is the goal, but here I just went with the the industry average, the the six percent. So. Treatment plans, we go from 1000 to 1060 Gross revenue, add another $60,000. Um, employment um, expenses, we're going up here, $546,000. Know, there's upward pressure on everything from uh, our compensation rates to which influences the amount of employment taxes we're, pl- we're paying, upward pressure on healthcare insurances, et cetera. So that's reflected in this. The billing um, is going to obviously increase by $3,000. Marketing expenses go up, space expenses go up, office expenses go up, clinic expenses go up, etc. So we have this um, 821k and our profitability does grow a little bit. Now the problem, so I'm in physical therapy and we participate with Medicare. For us, we're getting a roughly 12% haircut on this number, which is a a really big problem and makes us think through this differently where our margin is actually gonna decrease in this example per million by about $30,000, right? So that forces us to ask ourselves better business questions. And so we wanna think through, you know, how can we increase the value of each patient? Is there a service that we're missing out on uh, providing to our patients? You know, uh, maybe it's something around nutrition, maybe it's massage therapy or small group fitness, something like that. Is there something that we should be offering that we're not? Um, And then we want to evaluate our cost. Again, do we need to make personnel changes? What's our marketing strategy and, you know, what level of ROI can we expect? And are there any changes in our financial expenditures? Pillar number two is personnel and hiring, Uh, you know how to build a team for growth. So when we think about hiring and personnel uh, th- there, so this is what, and I'll just share some of what has been happening. So for years, for 18 years, um, we never have really had a uh, physical therapy pipeline, right? Today we do. And I'm not sure why that is. In the past, we would have an assistant pipeline. Um, aides were very easy to hire all of a sudden that, ha- that market has completely dried up for us and they've almost uh, switched. So just out of curiosity, you can type this in the chat, what changes are you seeing uh, within the job market? Are you finding some positions easier to hire? Are you finding some uh, more challenging to hire? But that's definitely a consideration as you're, you're moving forward uh, because you might have to behave a little bit differently as a company, as an organization As uh, the leader of your business um, based on the market conditions. So, fair market value of hiring a clinician is increasing. Um, There's dramatic competition. We face this frequently with uh, competition with healthcare or hospital systems. And you know, employees are requesting um, different benefits that we've we've never heard before. You know, requesting flex time or can I work from home some days, um, or or other uh, other benefits? So Risa says very challenging to hire and retain front desk staff. Yes, uh, completely agree with that. Risa, Letty agrees with you as well. So you know what's the solution? Uh, we and again, you know I, as we've grown um, our footprint, our impact. Are uh, the the influence of our business? We've had to level up systems across the board, and one of the um, one of the uh, biggest jumps that we've made in terms of hiring personnel came from a system. It's called uh, the Who or the Who process, interview process, and it's you can find a book uh, written by Jeffrey uh, Randy Street and Jeffrey Smart, and it is fantastic. Um, if you're in the tech space, uh, I believe it's Jeff Smart, his father wrote a book called um, Top Grading, which was a hiring book in the back in the 90s. But you want to create a hiring and onboarding process. And uh, we've taken this, uh, you know, to the extreme in both companies here at Breakthrough and also um, in my private practice, and it has worked very well. It's paid uh, huge dividends for us. And right now, collectively, um, we employ over 120 people uh, in, in the two companies, so it, it has worked well for us. But um, you know, the, the big thing here, number two, is you want to be descriptive in your ads and interview process. Uh, so the one thing that we learned to do is within our ads, and they're they're extensive. If you see our ads, um, we describe exactly what it is that we're looking for, and we also describe exactly what our the company looks like. Right, so. If if the clinician is going to be walking and working in a 1,200-square-foot clinic, that's dramatically different than working in a 12,000-square-foot clinic, right? So we want to describe that um, within the ad. And in the interview process, we get very specific. Again, I'll refer you to that book for we we mimic that, we mirror that almost exactly. Um, You want to be able to paint a picture of future growth whatever it is that your, you know, your company is doing. For example, we're opening, uh, our plan is to open two additional clinics next year. That is going to be in all of our ads that were uh, actively in the market now and here in 2022. Step number four there, we want to make sure there are culture fit. Um, you, you don't want to be desperate. We hire, fire, promote, demote, um, make very, we're willing to lose money over uh, the culture fit. And there are three things that we look for in the private practice. I'll share them with you quickly here if you wanna write them down. Number one is we look for insistence on outcomes. And what we mean by that is that if, uh, if a clinician is working with a patient and that patient is not progressing as expected, that that bothers the clinician enough that they seek out a, a better solution. So insistence on patient outcomes is number one. Uh, number two is um, beginner's mind, that, they, that they're essentially always learning, that they're seeking information and uh, they're, they're a lifelong learner. They may, might read a lot or listen to a lot of podcasts or they're a uh, CU junkie, but they're, they're constantly seeking and genuinely curious about their craft and furthering their their skill set, and the third one is they're a team player, right? So we structure our who interview pro, our for who interviews uh, around that, and we look for evidence of uh, those behaviors uh, w- within their past. So you don't want to be desperate; you don't just want to hire anybody who's responding to your ad. You want to think through, you know, who's going to um, benefit our culture, add to our culture here long term. The other thing, if you're a clinician that we have found really powerful is we have them, usually I'm the the mock patient and I just have them treat my neck and shoulder. But we've done this across the board now. So whether they're an assistant, clinician, marketing person, billing person, front office person, we'll, we'll have them go through a working, we call it a working interview, right? So we get to see how they're responding and that has been a game changer because somebody who might sound very good in the interview process, we can immediately see um, how they're thinking through, right? And we're not looking for necessarily the right answers, but do they have a good framework to make strong decisions uh, right out of the gate? And the, the final one is we're, we're always hiring, right? So even though we might not have a position right now, we'll, we'll take a clinician, We'll take a marketing person etc through the interview process um, and we build something called a bench which is also in the book um, but it's it's a pipeline that when the need does arise in the future that we can reach out to our pipeline of you know two to ten clinicians and say hey we have a position open you know is this something that you're interested in and again uh Love this quote here in the bottom right corner, as a business owner, the most important thing that you can do, and again, this is echoed in uh, you know, Vern Harnish's, the scaling up uh, the people section, same thing with Gina Wickman's traction or Jim Collins, they always start with people first, right? Get the right people on the bus, the right people in the right seats. And number three, in terms of marketing uh, your plan, uh, and thinking through your plan for next year, and considering your marketing, is you know how can we increase our top line revenue? And there are essentially three ways we can do this. Number one is we can attract more people, right? More people into our uh, our business, um, more people that are consuming our services. The second thing we can do is we can add value to um, the plan of care, right? So if we're at you know if we're in a cash pay type business and we're charging. for a treatment plan now, next year, we can certainly charge $3,500 or whatever might be appropriate, right? We can do that. Or if we're in an insurance-based setting, we can go from not only accepting insurance, but offering a hybrid treatment where we have a cash pay model as well, which is exactly what we do here. Um, So that's number two. And number three is we can reactivate more past patients, um, including more word of mouth referrals from our past patient list. So let's start with number one, attracting more new patients. So we the one thing that I see a lot of owners doing is when we go through this planning process, and by the way, we've had a, you know quarterly events um, for the last seven years now, and we we work with owners to help them plan forward. And the most common thing that gets in the way is the owner's assumption that, Uh, the amount of business that will come in is somehow whimsical. And this is a a deep-seated belief in healthcare, and it goes back to the 1800s when uh, the AMA predecessor um, basically said that physicians cannot advertise. So what evolved from that, and by the way, they quickly um, backtracked on that and took it away, but the, it took the guideline away. But what happened from that was this belief that you and I as clinicians, the only credible way to grow our business is by uh, providing high quality of care and uh, growing through word of mouth referral. And that might be sufficient for you. Um, I have no interest in doing that. right? I, I think it's our job to um, educate the, the consumer about what it is we do and you know, as a podiatrist, as a dentist, as um, an orthodontist, chiropractor, physical therapist, et cetera. I think uh, occupational therapist, I think that's really um, our job is to educate the community. By the way, also not a new idea. That goes back to uh, that idea goes back to Elizabeth Longfellow in the 1860s giving lectures in, in New York City as a physician, right? Um, first female physician in the US. So not a, not a new idea. Right, but we want to attract more patients, and the way that we want to think through that is okay. So, if this year in 2021 I'm at a thousand plans of care, and next year I want to grow that by six percent, how am I going to generate? Which is really 60 more treatment plans, or one roughly one more uh, per week, 1.2 more per week. How am I going to generate that extra 1.2? Uh, there's 1.2 treatment plans um, per week, right? Five more per month what do I need to do? And so that's when we think through marketing. We don't want to wait passively or, you know, somehow leave it up to the the direction of the wind, whether we're going to hit that plan or not. And that is the thing that gets in the way. We can be very active about this. So we want to first consider how many new patients do we need to add to increase the revenue per our plan? Um, And, you know, how do we do that? Well, there's some principles, some first principles that we use and we have found uh, to work the best within uh, healthcare services type marketing. Number one is we want to go direct to the consumer, and we want to do that in a way uh, that I'll cover here in a second called market message media match. Those three things have to align in order for people in the general public, the the potential patient, to respond to our ad and ultimately become a patient. We want to focus on patient centric marketing, which will oppose that or counter that with uh branding marketing which you and i really can't afford to do much of um and, and unless you have a huge marketing budget um and i'm impressed that you're here if that's the case but most of us we just don't have that and we want to understand the, the five stages of awareness when we're marketing direct to the consumer and those five levels of awareness are this so the one thing that uh, a lot of uh healthcare clinicians will say, um, again, whether it's physical therapist um, or it, actually my dentist just did this yesterday when I was in for an appointment. Um, you know, I, I wish more people out in the community understood the service that we provide. You know, it was, it's some form of that, right? Well, if we're gonna do that and we're gonna take responsibility there and ultimately educate and market our services uh, within the community, we have to understand that there's five levels of customer awareness, right? And on one end, we have the person that has no idea what we do, right? And they're not even aware necessarily of their problem. And case in point with my dentist is uh, he found, uh, it was a physical therapist here in our area that's doing uh, myofacial uh, physical therapy and how that affects orthodontic health. It, It kind of fascinating. And he, you know, did a deep dive into uh, this, um, into this uh, specialty, right? And he, and I said, well, you know, if I was a patient, how would I know? And he was trying to encourage me to add it in the service. And it's just not, that's not something that we're going to do today. But I said, wow, this is fascinating. And he said, you know, this is a really big problem. And he went through, um, he's very aware of it. And I said, you know, if I was a a potential patient, how would I know that I have this problem, right? So I'm unaware. I've never heard of this problem before, this conversation yesterday. And he said, close your mouth and uh, swallow. And he was like, you know, that the inability to swallow is really a, a muscle imbalance issue or muscle, uh, neuromuscular issue uh, within the, the facial muscles. And he went through this huge um, education piece. So that would be unaware, right? So it's the person that's never heard of uh, or they're not aware of chiropractic care and what it can do or podiatry or physical therapy or orthodontic, et cetera. They're completely unaware of uh, what's going on or the problem. Right. On the other end, we have people that are not only aware of the problem, they're not only aware of the solution, which is you and your services um, and the treatment plans you provide, but they've already likely bought from you in the past. Right. So it's the person that's searching you know, for, when they search for you, they're literally typing into Google or calling you directly and they're typing Madden Physical Therapy, right? That's highly aware. They're likely on your patient list already. I know you, I love you, and I want to buy, right? And then we have the middle here, which um, most clinicians just ignore um, altogether. So problem aware is, hey, I have, let's say, shoulder pain. Is there a solution? Do I need surgery? Right? So that it's, that's that line of thinking solution aware is I have shoulder pain and I don't want to get surgery what conservative treatment options do I have available I want a physical therapist and I search physical therapist by me product aware is the next level up so um, I I want physical therapy and I want it from you or I want it from you and you know who's closer who can fit my hours who is a the therapist that specializes in uh, shoulder treatment right so that. Um, They're they're the five levels of awareness. And when we're going directly to the consumer, we want to consider that across the board because uh, so you're seeing uh, the five levels of awareness. Where do you think most of the marketing within healthcare, where do you think it goes to? Do they focus on attracting number one, the unaware, which is heavy lifting, requires more money and effort, time, money, and effort? Or do you think it focuses more on the aware, the lowest hanging fruit? you can type your answer in the chat box. One, two, three, four, five. Brian says five, Ben says four, Robert says three, Kent says four, Denise says one. All right, so have some answers in there. Um, Thank you for the. John says four, thank you for your responses, most of what we see in terms of healthcare is either uh, a, like a coupon. So first visit plus, you know, laser treatment or something like that, some sort of modality or treatment for $89, right? That type of advertisement is for the person that is highly aware, right? You're, you're seeking out a buyer an an unaware ad and this is for Denise, would be a story, right? So typically, the more unaware somebody is, the more you have to go, it's just a longer uh, buffer, a longer nurturing sequence, and usually it starts with a story. So the majority of what I've seen, and we look at a lot of online advertising across Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Google, is addressing those that are highly aware. So if you wanna compete within marketing, Typically, it's very easy, and, and you can just compa- go to your, your local healthcare systems and look for their advertisements. They focus on the, the highly aware. Um, they might have a success story once in a while, which is more um, middle of the road in terms of problem aware or solution aware. But uh, for the most part, they're going to focus on a direct offer, right? So that's highly aware. And so what we can do if we want to use the blue ocean strategy and compete where other clinicians are not competing is master, be masters of uh, the left side of the awareness scale here. This podcast is brought to you by Breakthrough, the leading platform for practice growth. Breakthrough has helped over 1,500 healthcare practice owners leave a bigger impact in their communities and grow a larger business. As the founder of Breakthrough, I've developed a library of educational resources on practice growth. These are based on my learnings from my own experience as a private practice owner, plus the experience working with thousands of other owners in the Breakthrough community. If you have a growth mindset and you're hungry for free resources to help you grow, check out Breakthrough's resource hub. Go to getbreakthrough.com forward slash resources, where you'll find on-demand trainings, tools, templates, planning guides, and a host of other free resources. Again, you can find these at getbreakthrough.com forward slash resources. If you're interested in getting direct support with your practice growth, you can request a free growth consultation at getbreakthrough.com forward slash podcast offer. And how do we do that? Well, we do this, uh, we talk through this idea of market message media match. So let's say, you know, pick whatever your specialty is, Think through this, and you can write down uh, your your own answer. But how many people are in a ten mile radius, five mile radius, whatever people are willing to drive in your area? So let's say ten mile radius of your your office, and where I'm standing at here, it's 100,000 people. Okay, and let's say I want to specialize in shoulder pain. So what percentage of people have had shoulder pain in the last 30 days? And whatever your diagnosis is, you know, if it's neuropathy or maybe you, you help with reversing type two diabetes or you're selling Invisalign or you're selling orthotics or whatever your, your specialty treatment is that you wanna attract in, how many people have suffered with that in your, out of the 100,000 people or that 10 mile radius in the last 30 days? And let's, I'll go hyper conservative here and say 5% of people in our area have suffered with shoulder pain in the last 30 days. So, 5% of 100,000 is 5,000 people. Now, some of those are very aware, some of those are unaware, and they're across that full awareness spectrum. So, how do we think through attracting those 5,000 people? And by the way, that's way more than what we could possibly um, service, but we want to think through this because some of them are appropriate for PT. Some of them might need surgery or an injection or might be more appropriate for, um, you know, like a, uh, pro low therapy or PRP or stem cell, you get the idea. Um, so anyhow, we wanna attract more new patients. The first thing that we wanna think through is who is our target market? Who's the ideal person responding to my marketing ads and coming in for uh, for care, right? Our In our case, um, it's a 45 to 64 year old family oriented female. That means she's likely married um, and she's likely scheduling appointments appointments not only for herself, but also for her children, her recalcitrant husband who won't get off the couch, and maybe even bringing in her parents for uh, therapy. That's our target market. You want to think through who's your avatar, who's the persona, who's your ideal client. They're, and they're all the same thing. The next thing you want to think about is the messaging. You know, And specifically, you want to think about um, the, the language that that target market uses. So if you're, you know, if we're marketing shoulder pain to a 45 to 64 year old family oriented female, um, how, not how do we talk about shoulder pain and shoulder treatment, but how does she talk about it? So if I'm talking about, you know, three stages of impingement, that doesn't really mean anything to her. But if I'm, so in our ads, we're going to talk about, you know, do you have trouble reaching behind your back? Because that's a very, common problem um, in this, uh, for our avatar, and we're going to use her phrases, her language um, in our messaging. And by the way, this is a, a, one of the easiest ways to differentiate yourself in the marketplace is master the messaging, right? So pay attention to the copy that you have in your ads, on your landing pages, uh, on your website, um, in your direct mail, wherever you're talking about uh, the problem where you're marketing your services, make sure that you're using that lay language, simple terms, not medical terms. If you do use a medical term, just explain what it is right away. And then we also want to consider the media. So, how does our target market, our 53-year-old, family-oriented female, how does she con- What media does she consume, and how does she consume it? You know, is she on Facebook, looking at pictures of her children, her grandchildren, her friends' children? Um, etc. Is that what she's doing? If she's there, how is she using that type of media? Is she on Instagram? Is she on TikTok? Is she on Twitter? Is she on LinkedIn? Is she on um, YouTube, Google, etc.? Where is she at? And we want to go where she is and we want to use the media in the same exact way that she's using that media. So that's market message media match. The next uh key that we talked about in terms of increasing top line revenue is increasing the per patient revenue. So really what you can do, um, and I'll I'll tell you the easiest way to do this. So years ago, we used to do a lot of uh, vestibular balance issues, and it it was kind of, we were required to screen it out per Medicare, because we participate with Medicare for, I think it was called the PQRS um, guidelines. That's what we chose to do. So everybody that came through, we had to uh, give even if we they came through for back pain, neck pain, you know, an orthopedic issue. We had to do this balance screening in the Medicare population, and uh, so we learned how to treat it. And then uh, another good example would be uh, we also had a therapist who did uh, post mastectomy lymphedema as her specialty, and also did uh, urinary incontinence. And when we looked through uh, from a business perspective, they were amazingly impactful uh, business services that we were providing, but they did not make business sense for us. We were actually uh, breaking even or in some of the specialties, actually losing money, uh, significant money. Um, There were high no-show rates among the population, et cetera, um, in, in terms of the treatments available. So very powerful, but did not make business sense for us. And as those therapists uh, who specialize, as those clinicians who specialized moved on, um, we just, we chose not to replace them, right? So you want to do the same thing. You know, if you're in an orthopedic practice, you might have very high value for, uh, let's say a back patient or a lymphedema patient, maybe a neuro- neurological patient, whatever that may be, and not such a high value for ankle sprains. So very quickly and easily what you can think through is you know when we're marketing our services we can we can focus on who we want to attract and what types of conditions that we want to attract so that would be one very simple way to increase revenue per patient a little uh, uh, another one would be um, thinking through if you participate with insurances can we create enough demand that we can eliminate our lowest payer right and that's you know so if you're lowest payer you know and some cases with healthcare practitioners. I know you know you might have a pair that's under $60 $60 or less per visit. There's no way that you can provide service. Um, at that level, the level that the patient needs uh, for that cost your, your expenses far exceed the revenue that's coming through. So therefore, you know how That what do we have to do to replace that. Well, that comes out in our planning process and we think through what do we have to do to do to create enough demand or we can eliminate uh, this pair. And the third key that we can do is we can reactivate uh, past patients. So most owners, uh, they lose money on their patient list. And, you know, in the very beginning of uh, working with owners, the, and I had a, an aspirational business background when I opened up in uh, private practice. So I, I knew enough that there was value in maintaining a patient list. However, I didn't know what to do with that. And most owners have that same exact issue where we're proud if we have a list, right? We might, maybe we mail them via direct mail or email once a quarter, something like that. Most common thing that we see is uh, owners will create a, a newsletter and they'll send it via email in a PDF format to their patient list, you know, once per quarter. And they're expecting something out of that. Um, And that's a pretty rough use of the number one asset in your business, which is your patient list. So, you know, it's the most valuable asset. It's it's made up of all of those people that have graduated their treatment plan from you, likely, and uh, you know, when they've done that, you've helped them meet their goals. You've helped get rid of their pain or their problem. You've helped them correct that, whatever that is. That's the that's the people out of the hundred thousand people in your area, whatever's in your ten mile radius they're the people that are most likely to buy from you again in the future. So, you know, for us uh, in our main office, which is the office that I'm in right now, we'll see um, 600 plus visits a week. And when we do the last full year study that we did was in 2019, um, 66.3% of our uh, revenue in this office, which is roughly 3 million a year. So 66.3% would be uh, little under 2 million per year, came specifically from our past patient list, right? So how do we reactivate past patients and get word of mouth referrals? We host events that are exclusive to past patients. Uh, we offer uh, promotions exclusively for past patients and um, we use automated email and direct mail to stay in touch, right? And, it, and it's often, it's two email campaigns per month, one direct mail piece at minimum per month as well. And we'll invest up to, in our more established clinics, uh, those that are at or near capacity for the space and personnel that we have, we'll um, we'll spend up to 50% of our marketing budget on engaging uh, past patients. So some key metrics to track. The the big game here in business is do more of what works and less of what doesn't. So there's some vitals, right? And um, ultimately, in the beginning, and yes, there are, are... tools for you to uh, think through. And I know, uh, I believe we have a a downloadable tool that you can use. Um, But at minimum, you should be tracking the vital metrics of your practice. For most of us, that means new patients, visits, gross revenue. So that's revenue that we realize, not revenue that we bill out. And our attendance rate, like, you know, um, you can also look at uh, treatment plan completion rate. Right. And we look at those on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual basis. Um, and you should be doing that for all of your clinics, clinicians, et cetera. So if you're, you know, an enterprise level practice with 20 locations, you want to be, uh, you're likely already looking at, at it on a um, routine basis. If you're a single site practice, a solopreneur, solo clinician, still, you should be looking at this um on in in terms of that same cadence. So daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual. Um, Every single vital metric that you have in your business, and you want to track the four or five metrics that make the most sense for your business, that show the health of your business, just like we do for a patient with, you know, heart rate, blood pressure, respiration rate, temperature, etc., BMI. um, Every one of those vital metrics can be broken down. For example, for us, when we look at new patients, we look at physician referrals, uh, which for us is eight to 9% of our total new patients coming in, our reactivated past patients, our word of mouth referrals, and our uh, direct-to-consumer marketing and where they're sourced from, where they came from, online, direct mail, radio, television, et cetera. Um, So that's how we think about that. For visits, we break it down a certain way uh, into other metrics. Uh, gross revenue, same thing. And that would be like AR, uh, accounts receivable, accounts receivable over 60 days, accounts receivable, that's personal, insurance, et cetera. Um, and then we look at, again, we, we break that down into a monthly um, basis so we can look at it on the year. So in thinking through that you know, and, and growing your revenue, executing your plan for 2022, here's how breakthrough can help. Um, When we're thinking through a flywheel for growing your practice, whether it's 6% or 20%, and you're thinking about executing that plan, the first thing that we have to do in terms of uh, growing any practice is we have to attract, right, uh, and have a system in place to attract more treatment plans, more, more patients. So when we talk about attraction here at Breakthrough, that means automated patient lead generation, and it's social media advertising and proven landing pages and conversion. that that not only once you get the market message media match right within the advertising ultimately we have to have a human interaction with that person and have them sign up for a plan of care so that includes workshops or lectures seminars etc patient education, email campaigns, um, free screen campaigns some examples there And again once we attract once the person responds to the ad and this is the probably the step that most, uh, healthcare practitioners kind of ignore, we think that, you know, if we nail the right ad, then we just walk into the exam room and the patient is there with their credit card in hand just dying to buy our treatment plan. It's not really how it works, right? We have to have that human element, that conversion factor in there. So we, we have, you know, proven marketing automation to help with that process. And that includes CRM or, you know, patient conversion management, email blast and nurture campaigns conversion training. So in our case, we think about it on three levels. The first uh, training is the the caller, right? So the receptionist or marketing person that's talking with the patient, they have to have training structure around how they're having the conversation so that the person responding to our ads ultimately results in scheduling an appointment and showing up for that appointment, right? We have to have uh, training and we train all of our 42 clinicians and how to do this right now, plus the hundreds of other practices that we work with, but how do we have a conversation with that potential patient in the exam room? And then if we're doing a workshop or lecture seminar, what does the presenter say? So ultimately, we're educating, providing goodwill, and the majority or at least some of the audience members will sign up for a treatment plan, right? Uh, So that's, again, the proving proven marketing automation there to support that. And then we have the growth framework, which is providing not only the training, but coaching, the growth metrics, uh, quarterly customer events. Our next one is here in Orlando, looking uh, very much forward to that. And then building a community of like-minded practice owners so that we can all uh, grow together and support each other growing together. So if you're interested in learning how Breakthrough can help you increase your top line revenue and ultimately meet your goals here in 2022, there should be, uh, you can get a free uh, growth consultation, risk-free growth consultation. There should be a a poll coming up on the screen right now. And you're just going to click yes there. And otherwise we can open this up for Q&A. So if you're interested in the growth consultation, the free consultation, just click yes. Our team will be in contact with you. And It's really for practices that have a growth mindset that want to uh, grow in 2022 and beyond, leave a bigger impact in their community, build a more valuable practice and grow that top line revenue. So, Andrew, I think I can get the question.
1: Yeah, okay. we have um, we have some questions coming in so far. Um, the first one is from Denise. She's asking, "How do you suggest direct marketing to physicians that work in a hospital setting that offers OTPT and SP, uh, where corporate has set up huge roadblocks to get at the physicians and other refer- referral sources?"
0: Um, I don't. De- Denise, that, that's uh, so where we're at here, and it's the reason that we had to learn direct-to-consumer marketing. But in Central Pennsylvania, we compete with three local hospital systems that employ roughly ninety percent of the referral sources in our area. There are very few independents remaining, and uh, the, then we have within physical therapy, two of the largest rehab providers are literally headquartered right here. So. Everybody knows Select Medical, largest rehab provider in the U.S. Um, their corporate headquarters is literally 13 miles, uh, 13. Let me think about that. 13 miles west of me, where I'm at right here. So um, yeah, they they have this area lockdown. I we all know, and you know, can share in the trenches war horror stories of what hospital systems are doing uh, to the private independent private practice practitioner. um, I don't know how to overcome that. I mean, we've, we've seen emails. Essentially what we do um, is anytime we see something that is illegal or unethical, we send them a a legal letter. Um, We do continue to market to them. We send them direct mail. Perhaps that uh, much of it is thrown in the trash. I don't know. And never makes it to the doctor. Um, The only way that I've ever marketed to a hospital employed clinician or healthcare system employed clinician is to get them out of the office, right? And that requires a personal connection or something like that. Other than that, I, I don't know what to do. In our area, we can't get in to their office. And, and by the way, we have a, a part-time marketing rep who used to be a pharmaceutical sales rep, and it doesn't make it easier. And she's excellent, but she cannot get through the majority of the hospital-owned doors.
1: Cool. Thank you. Um, Chad, I know that we get a lot of questions about hiring in general, and, um, one of them that we get is when's the right time to hire and should I hire when we're really busy? Um, if so, how do I train someone at the same time as, you know, treating a lot of patients? How do you think about that?
0: Yeah. So that's a, it's a great question and it's one that I fumbled earlier in in my private practice career. Um, what, So very little training on that. Um, What I try to do in the beginning is what most practitioners do. And we we think through some sort of uh, like magical finish line, then I hire, right? And so let's say my, when I near 100% treatment capacity, and let's be honest, most of us will hit one, maybe 110%, 120% of treatment capacity personally. And then we think, well, how can I possibly hire? I don't have time to do that. Right. So we thought we had a finish line. We passed that finish line. Now we don't have time to do what we really should be doing in terms of working on the business. The right way to think about it is if you have, if you, if you're hiring, we have found that when we find somebody who is competent, who fits our core values that I mentioned earlier, um, we hire them as quickly as possible, as soon as we have space, because their, their schedule is relatively easy to to fill at that point. Um, the other thing we do is we have a, a long training process. So, for example, right now, Joe, um, who is our clinical director um, in this office, he will always be training a physical therapist um, or like a you know a next clinician. And uh, he's an educator. We have several other within the company. They're always training that next clinician. And you if you know if you're a solo practitioner right now. Um, the time to hire is now when you find somebody who's a match. Um, and then what we do is rate right as we hire, we ramp up our marketing, right? So if we are, and let me think about this. So in for three years, I struggled to hire another clinician. And by the way, uh, I, so we have a business coach right now, um, or two, Wayne Ferrari and Rich Manders. Um, three months ago, I was, Had an event with uh, Rich Manders, we were doing a session. He was talking about four levels of competency um, for healthcare practitioners. And the most basic level is Dragon Slayer, right? That's where we're just seeing all the patients and that's what most of us know how to do, um, providing all the patient care. And the second level, the next level up, and I'll spare you the full four levels, but the next level up is um, manager of Dragon Slayers. And I asked Rich. I said, "You know, what gets in the way?" And uh, he had a simple answer. It, it was a bit shocking, but he said, "It's it's ego." And I thought about it. I was like, "Wow, like that's if I really reflect back, that's that's it because it's this idea that I'm the only one that can provide the highest quality of care, and for me to bring somebody else on and train them would mean that somebody else can provide exactly what I'm doing, right?" And he said that, that that's a pretty common belief. Um, so, like, if I take that, what Rich's comments, and look back to my early career, that's exactly what happened. And we had uh, doubled our initial business plan within six months of opening. I had hired a, an assistant, but for three years, could not hire, could not find the right, uh, the second physical therapist to hire. And a lot of that was on me and how I thought through my own ego getting in the way. That you know I was the best, or everybody wanted to see me, or something like that. And then once I overcame that, uh, within uh, literally four weeks, I hired three additional clinicians. The key is, as I, as soon as we hired them, we just started ramping up our marketing efforts immediately, so that their not only was my schedule full, but their schedules were full um, as quickly as possible. And that, that's the key. So you can't treat them in silos as like segmented units it's find the right person find the right clinician that matches your core values hire them and then as quickly as possible create an increased demand for your services the way that i like to think about it is my schedule is going to be reactivating past patients new patients that are coming in once that other clinician is trained they're going to see the new clinician new patients coming in see the new clinician um, with some oversight there, with some training. So always bring somebody along with you, always be hiring, and really ramp up your marketing as you're doing that.
1: I guess um, one thing that would be interesting just for me is um, if, what was your favorite part of this presentation, or what's like one key takeaway that you're that you're going to take back to your practice uh, from this session? If you could type that in the chat, um, would be really curious.
0: You're either getting some long-winded answers, Andrea. I'm, I'm interested what people, people will say, whether it's you know, something around marketing that we talked about or hiring or you know the financial pro forma there you go ben said i like the breakdown and where to put marketing money awesome and ben by the way I, I would just to be clear on that we always start at the right you know and the most aware that's the lowest hanging fruit um, very easy and simple to put those systems in and then work your way across the, the, um, the marketing scale. Yemi says, to be deliberate about the message and the marketing and the financial stats. Awesome. What's up, Brian? Financial talk is always helpful. Have to jump. Thank you again for everything. Very welcome. Tara says, good reminder of metrics to track. What else? Well, there you got. Robert, we're participating with Breakthrough. Always find new info with all presentations, growth strategies, always good info and timely. Good to hear budget numbers for past patients and new. Dan asked, was the call recorded?
1: Yes, yes. Um, The recording will be emailed out afterwards.
0: One says, very informative. All right, Ronald, thank you. Sam says, hiring pipeline. Yeah, we Sam, we, uh, we just use a sheet uh, that everybody can access, all of our managers, directors can access and create a list. And then we have all four interviews in there and any notes that the, uh, the person doing the interview had. Dan says, thanks, Tara says, thanks.
1: Awesome, well, thank you everyone for participating and for joining and thanks Chad for the awesome session as as always.
0: Thank you, Andrea. Thanks everybody. Happy holidays to you.
1: Happy holidays.
0: Remember to visit getbreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth. While you're there, make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market. Again, thank you for tuning into the Grow Your Practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.